0: Welcome back, folks. It's been it hasn't been that long since everyone has heard us. We just released the Christmas pub quiz and we are back again and we are reviewing Avatar, The Way mm-hmm. of the Water. This entire episode is going to be an Avatar episode. So if you are not interested in that, you can just stop now and come back in the next episode. There's gonna be no other content but Avatar. So spoilers will be incoming.
1: No other content. Just spoilers. Spoilers all the way down.
0: So, as always, when we do these things, Bill, uh, I'd like to get a sort of like overall vibe check from you. What did you think of this movie overall? And we'll go into the details in a bit.
1: I thought the first two and a half hours were pretty bad. (laughs) And then the last 45 minutes was kind of fun.
0: Interesting, interesting. Um, so overall, what, like you'd give it like a run-in-the-mill sort of movie? It's fine.
1: Yeah, like the the overall impact of it was, yeah, fine, whatever. If not for the fact that it were three and a quarter hours long. I mean, that was that was a little excessive for me.
0: It was very long. It was very, very long. Uh, how do you think it measured up relative to the first one, if you recall the first one?
1: um, Not only do I not recall the first one, I in fact cannot recall the first one. Because I've never seen it.
0: Oh, you never seen it? No. Oh well, damn. We we totally should have just we should have watched that. We should have made it because for listeners, Bill and I, as as we are wont to do, we met up to go see this in person. Um, had I known that you'd never seen the first one, I I could have like we could have arranged to like do a um a viewing of that before watching the other one.
1: Oh, I thought it's the the last day.
0: Oh, no, I, I have no idea. I figure you probably need, like, there's a lot of context one needs going into the way of the water, which you just didn't have.
1: I I don't really feel like there was.
0: Well, there's recurring characters and things like that, but, um, wow, that's mental. You've never seen the first one. Huh. Yeah, that's that's up.
1: why I asked you, just as the film was starting, for a 15-second plot summary of the first one. I wasn't joking when I said that.
0: <laughs> oh. Oh, God, yeah. I, yeah, so that... Just totally went over me there you go um my thoughts on this are uh, like yourself i thought this was excessively long um i thought most of it was pretty crap um but unlike you i thought the crap stuff happened more towards the end um i i didn't particularly like the ending the ending was just it was an awful lot of just like fighting and then more fighting and then more fighting and then more fighting. And I was like, oh my God, we've had 45 minutes of fighting. Can we please make it stop? So I actually thought the earlier things were a lot better than the later things. So we seem to be diametrically opposed there. Um, but, uh, and like you, I was like, it's fine. Like, it, it's okay. Like, I'd give it like a six out of 12 sort of thing. It's completely run the mill, nothing to write home about, that sort of crack. Um, yeah. Shall we get into the details?
1: Let's get into the details.
0: Okay, so thoughts bill on the first section, and this is this is up until they depart their um Omatakaya stronghold that they leave mm-hmm. for for the sea people. So thoughts on that section?
1: Um <laughs> It didn't it didn't elicit much of a reaction from me. Um like like okay, so I guess the, the big thing about Avatar is that it's a technical spectacle you know, that we saw it in, in 3d. Um, Hmm. and that this, this sequel has been delayed for so long until he felt that the, he could do justice to his vision, that the, the technology, the special effects technology had progressed to the point where he could do justice to his vision. Um, and it, yeah, I didn't, I didn't feel that impressed or moved by the, the, the 3d elements of it. Um, after a while, I kind of stopped noticing. Um, and when I did notice, it was just kind of whatever. Um, and even with even with that there were, there were bits where I, I noticed and like there was stuff that was still out of focus or where even when I had the glasses on the the, the there were there was a superimposition there was like a double image <laughs> of something that was in the in the middle ground. Um, so from a technical point of view, you know it seemed like it didn't quite deliver what it promised it was beautiful certainly mm-hmm. um you know the the jungle of pandora is a is a lush and well-created environment um mm, disagree but i but think anyways. i think the fidelity is actually so high that it highlights the fact that it's fake if you get it's so real that you can see how fake it looks at times
0: Wow, this might be a really interesting episode because I, I disagree with an awful lot of what you just said there. Okay. Yeah, because so I, if I may jump in on the 3D yeah, element, um, Bill had bought 3D tickets and I had neglected to tell Bill um, that I hate watching movies in 3D because they make my head hurt. Like I get actual headaches um, watching 3D movies. And I believe the last 3D movie I saw was Avatar, like the first one. Um, and after that, I was like, no more. That's not happening. That was a atrocious experience. So I was prepared to have a whopping headache coming out of a three hour plus movie in 3D. And that wasn't the case at all. Whatever they've done with the tech uh, r- surrounding 3D has advanced to such a stage that it doesn't like induce this pain in my head. Um, So I was really loving the treaty. I was like, this is class. I agree that there were parts where you said that there was like a superposition in the middle ground. Totally agree. I did spot that. Um, But the mere fact that I didn't get like borderline ill was someone did something to a camera somewhere (laughs) and it was great. Um, I think uh, I agree that the, that Avatar is beautiful. Like the, the, it's, um. It's very beautiful uh, and well done, etc. I don't think it's like a, a well-done world. We'll get more into the biology of it. I hate sure. everything to do with Pandora. Pandora mm-hmm. is just like a whole box of stupid. Everything is stupid. Like you can point to any sort of plant or creature on screen, screen and I just go, that is dumb. Like it's just so dumb. The whole thing, like it's really pretty dumb. And it just, it draws me a little bit wild. I have so many notes in front of me here, like Navi are dumb. Like, um, uh, Pandora dogs are dumb. Elu are dumb. Flying fish are dumb. And, like, they're all dumb. And, like, so I really hate the world. Um, because it's just, like, very superficial and a bit cheesy. And that really bothers me. Um, <clears throat> and the other thing... No, that was all the things you mentioned. So, yeah, I, the treaty, the treaty, I was on board with the treaty. I liked it. Um, I thought it was kind of cool. And it makes me want to see more treaty. Um... Which again, it's bad. We had a very different experience there.
1: Yeah, I, I just like, you know, when you, you see a scene and, you know, there's, there's characters walking through, through the jungle and then there's a leaf kind of obscures them. And the fact that that's closer to you in the depth of field, I mean, yeah, maybe that is technically impressive, but I mean, it doesn't enhance my experience in any way. I know the leaf is closer to me because it obscures them because <laughs> it is in front of them. Um, it, it doesn't add anything to the, to the experience the, and there were, there were very few shots where I, I thought, Oh wow, that looks amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it just left me kind of cold.
0: Yeah. The thing I really want in order for this to be like, um, I guess I want VR actually is what I'm about to say, but mm. I sometimes find that with 3d, I get distracted because like say a branch or something will pop out at me and then I'll notice and be like, wow, that's really cool. And then I, my eyes will move to a different part of the screen. And like IRL, your eyes refocus the scene. So you're focused on whatever, but that wouldn't occur with 3D because it's just kind of you're you're given like a static depth field, if you will. Um, And that kind of messes with my brain and takes me out of the story because I'm I'm going around looking for the 3D-ness of the thing as opposed to actually paying attention to the story.
1: Yeah. Um, But. but Sorry, go on.
0: No, 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 you go on, go on.
1: So I I'm not I don't understand enough of how the eyes work to to perceive depth, but you, like yeah I I, I kind of noticed that as well. You can't um you can't change the depth that you're focusing on in a in a three D thing. It's mm-hmm. kind of pre selected, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because the the image is whatever it is, and you, like you can't change that by matching it up differently. Mm-hmm. Um, and also I found that you know especially if there's like as you say a branch jutting in, be, because we're looking at a screen it's very clear where that ends. So it feels very artificial in that way that like there's just a, a branch kind of there and it's it's clear where the thing ends. If, if you said there was like or as you said, or if you had some kind of goggles or something that it was kind of more encompassing of your field of view, it would mm-hmm. be a lot more immersive. But that's difficult to do in a cinema. Sure. I, I acknowledge. <laughs> yeah.
0: Oh, there was, sorry. There was one more thing that you said that I should have responded to. You were like, it's so real. It seems fake. Mm. And I had the opposite impression. There were so many times where I was like, I think we've hit peak peak computer graphics because like I was spending time watching their pores, like the Navi pores on Mm. their skin. And I was like, this is perfect. Like I see no flaw. And like, I was like, this is, I think the first time in my life that I've just like, my brain has gone, this is real life. And I had to constantly Mm. remind it, like, no, it's not like these are, these are computer images. This is not real life, Edgar. There are no blue people walking around the place. But it was so real. Like, I, I've never experienced anything more real feeling. So I didn't think it looped around at all to become fake again. Like, I was like, my brain was fully tricked.
1: For me, um, do you know that thing on on TVs, like on, on newer TVs, where they have uh, motion smoothing or true motion or whatever, which adds mm. extra frames in between? Yeah. Um, I, I hate that.
0: I think, I think most people hate that. I don't think you're alone here.
1: That's what Avatar looked like to me. It, it was, it was excessively yeah. kind of smooth, which, which made, just made me feel like I was watching something in, in, in true motion. Were,
0: um man, were we watching the same film? Because I, I have a note. Oh God, we're skipping. I, I was for the listeners pre-call. I was like Bill, we need to keep this to a triac act structure. We need to do like pre-water part then the water part, and then the whale part. Three-act structure done, but now I'm already skipping around. There were bits in the final um, third of the film that were like super unsmooth, and there was like, I think it was I counted three places where I thought there was like serious flaws, individuals where it like felt stuttery. Um, right. so that's So that's nuts that you're like, I'm thinking smooth. of
1: the, of in the beginning when they were like running through the jungles and stuff. It, it yeah, it felt really kind of, It it felt like I was watching True Motion on on, on a TV. Hmm.
0: Interesting. Yeah. It could be a case that I've never actually experienced because we have like an old, old television that Mm. doesn't have any of that. So I've never actually experienced that like frame blending, adding in extra frames, frames thing. Maybe if I experience that, I'll be like, oh, crap. Yeah. This is exactly what Avatar is doing. But given what I know, it didn't, I didn't think that. Hmm. Hmm. Now, anyway, so that's <laughs> 3G corner done. Um, plot points, um, thoughts on that first act up, up until uh, Jake and Cole leave the forest?
1: Um, Anything the plot, in there that stood out? Uh, no, it was um, a family drama, you know, fairly standard stuff. The, the teenage kids misbehaving and getting into trouble. And the conflict between the two sons. Um, uh, the bad guys from the previous movie came back as avatars, um, with their with their memories uploaded. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't. Uh, you know, nothing, nothing, nothing notable really.
0: So uh, I would agree with that. I think the whole first act um, could have been a like a Fellowship of the Ring style prologue thing. Um we didn't need whatever, like the hour of prequel to because the thing was called way of the water, right? Like the whole point we're here is to do the water stuff. And we had yeah. so much time building. up it took up to an hour
1: that. to get to the water.
0: Yeah, it was mental. Um and I clocked that the first time, and the second time it felt even more when I watched it. I was like, oh my god, it just keeps going. Um it it sets up I think the problems in this half is that it sets up um an issue throughout the film in that I think that this film is uh almost like a soft reboot of the first one. It hits like nearly all the same plot points. We have the same like you said the same bad guy in effect came back because his mind was re-uploaded to some other dude. And, like, they follow the same pattern where it's, like, fish out of water, learns how to get down with the natives, mm. you know, conquers a um, a significant animal of the region, uh, humans come in, fights humans using, like, air quotes, native technology. It's the same story, the exact same story, except now we're underwater. And that was set up and started in this first bit. And I remember thinking to myself, oh, God, no, please don't do that. And they did. <laughs> and I was like, <"S-> <laughs>
1: So so the first one is like Avatar and it's in the air. And then this one is Avatar in the water. Uh, and then they're <laughs> gonna do Avatar Underground. <laughs> yes. And in then the, in the in the earth, it, some might say. In the earth. In in the Pandora. Mm-hmm. And then in, in the fourth movie, everything will change when the fire avatar will attack.
0: That's it. That's it, precisely. Oh god. Um uh, a couple other notes I have from this first part here. I, I'm going to leave all the biology, the most of the biology, dumb stuff until the end as a sort of recap stuff. Um, sure. The uh, the fact that there is interbreeding going on between humans and Napfi is odd to me and just like breaks belief because that's just not a thing that could ever feasibly happen. Uh, and ergo like a lot of the premise of the movie is all, is straight away on weak footing i don't understand how humans are able to breed with a with animal with with, with a soul font that is like going to be based on entirely different biochemistry than we are like it's just A sophont. font. that's like um uh it's a word in the spec bio community for like intelligence oh how do you spell Cause, that cause, uh s o p h o n t Huh because people will sometimes use, or at least the way it's been explained to me is that people will use sentience sometime, like sentient life form, but sentience re- really means just be able to sense. Um, yeah. And I think there's some problem with sapience as well. So there was a need to, to have another term and that term apparently oh. is "soulfont." font. Um, so that is a term I've been using and will continue to use. So it's just weird. It's just weird that humans are able, that you're able to create half breeds, uh, half human, half navi, and, um, that's insane. Well, like, it, we can't it, we can't breed with dogs, Bill. And they, they are Earth-like life forms. Why on Earth would we go to a separate planet and be able to breed with the species on that planet? That just makes no sense.
1: Well, I think you're right in the overall thrust of what you're saying. But to to give, to, to Steelman the, the position... Um, <laughs> Steelman? Yeah, it's the opposite of a straw man. To yeah. argue <laughs> against the... Yeah. Um it's not exactly humans breeding with na'vi it's the avatar breeding with with a na'vi um so it's not like you know it's it's jake's avatar that that he inhabits rather than a human body so that has presumably pandoran biochemistry
0: right and but then you you would imagine that you wouldn't get half-breeds you would just get na'vi then yeah yes like what part of the human how is the human dna being transmitted here like it wouldn't because
1: work. the 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 avatar has has the five fingers so maybe that's a trait that is is, <laughs> is like passed on whatever they did to the the avatar genetics um to make it five fingered is an inheritable trait
0: oh okay maybe yeah okay maybe fair enough But um, because
1: yes, yeah. it's not like it's not actually human and navi inter- interbreeding it's a, an avatar and Navi interbreeding. But my question is, why sure. did they make the avatars able to reproduce?
0: Yeah, that's a good when point. They
1: were, when they were created.
0: I guess maybe if I were to try and steel man this position as well, it would be a case of they didn't actively set out to do that. They just like were able to so perfectly clone uh, a Navi that it was able to just how it had the reproductive capabilities. Like, they didn't just make a suit. They made, like, a perfect uh, facsimile of Navi with all its functions.
1: And an extra finger in each hand.
0: And an extra... That's the bit I'm kind of like, why do they have extra fingers? I guess maybe that could be, like, the humans operating the Navi would be more adept if they had more
1: fingers there, but surely... Yeah, more similar to, more similar to the, the body they're used to.
0: It could be, yeah, but also that would be a... a, a from the first movie, that would be like a sign of them not really being native or local. And mm-hmm. it wasn't the whole point as well. I, I realized the point was uh, they needed the uh, avatars to be able to function in the atmosphere, but also part of it was like a soft power sort of move to try and ingratiate themselves with the, yeah. with the Navi. So why deliberately make your avatar look different from the locals? That doesn't really track with me. But I guess maybe the I don't know maybe it's hard to hold a hammer when you're when you you're used to having five fingers but you actually only have four I don't know um, that whole bit just broke a little bit of the suspension disbelief was just kind of like what what the hell is going on here um, uh, what else have I got Th- this is probably I guess less for you and more for the listeners I'm just really confused about the timelines going on here like with the colonel who the like, the old bad guy because he died in the first movie and i don't remember him having a kid in the first movie maybe he did i don't remember it's been a long time but now that guy has a kid this 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 character called spider but also that bad guy had his like dna uh sent away or something to be preemptively uploaded into a bunch of avatars so when he died those avatars could like gain his memories and fill in and i'm like I'm sure this all works, but I'm just confused as to what happened off screen in between the first one and the second one. It just it was it was a bit disorientating.
1: I think the idea was that he he had a kid that he didn't know about.
0: Yeah, that feels. I guess you know that happens, but it just feels a little bit ham fisted. You know, kind of like crap. We need something here. Okay, let's give the bad guy a kid he just didn't know about. Do you know what I mean? It feels like a like a plot hole type type thing. Um,
1: um or, or, or that it, character. It, Sorry, Wait yes. On. Go on.
0: on. No, no. On Spider. On Spider.
1: On On Spider. Um, I was I was reading up like people's reviews and and, and analyses and stuff of it, and it seemed to be treated like the finding out that he's the Colonel's son is is a reveal, like that's that's a plot moment. Um, and from someone who hadn't watched the first film, I kind of thought that I like, that's kind of what I immediately thought he was the ba- he was the, the the son of the the previous villain. I thought that was like totally clear.
0: Um, I think I might agree with that because when that, when that dropped that he was the son of the villain, I wasn't, there wasn't a oh, moment or anything. So I guess I, I guess I'd be, yeah, I, so I, I be don't weird. even
1: really remember it being dropped. I just remember it like people, people assuming it. I thought, I thought it was kind of assumed throughout and then it was like, it was hmm. correct. There wasn't a moment of reveal even, that that i i perceived it was just that's who this character is the whole way through i i
0: agree i agree with you generally there um what else have i got here can i talk about geofiction a little
1: bit edgar (laughs) i would i would love nothing more than for you to talk about geofiction right now
0: okay so like i appreciate that not everyone cares about planets as much as I do, right? I appreciate that most people go like, I want some sort of alien setting. So uh, let's make it a moon of a gas giant um, surrounded by binary stars, probably. That sort of thing, right? And I don't actually think about it be- beyond that. Um, but I spent a little bit of time trying to think about the actual, like, setup of the world that was proposed. And we get a shot in this first um section of the movie where we see the gas giant the Pandora um uh what's it called orbits mm-hmm. and the, the the gas giant is a sort of blue-white sort of color now again I'm sure the people the art department just picked the colour right but color folks has ramifications for the type of gas giant uh you got going here and that has ramifications for where that gas giant is placed. I know this is super nerdy just bear with me from what I could tell, based on the color, the gas giant is a class tree, uh gas giant. Using a thing called the Zudarsky scale, I'll link a Wikipedia page to this um, in in the comments. And no, sorry, no, it's somewhere between. It's, it's not a gas trees. A class tree, sorry, it's a class four, and that would imply that it has. Uh, it's very alkali metal rich, which would imply that its temperature uh, is like in the several hundreds. Celsius, i.e. it's a gas giant super tight into the star, that would not lead to a habitable uh, moon situation going on. If you're putting habitable moons around gas giants and those gas giants are in the uh, inner, like in the habitable zone, like the sort of expected color of the gas giants is a sort of like uh, gray white, uh, given that the composition changes with distance because of like heating and things like that. Um so if you've got a habitable moon going on the gas giant and the gas giant is not a sort of grey white colour uh and it's in the habitable zone, then you're kind of not barking up the wrong tree there. Um I, I realize that affects nothing. It's just the colour of the gas giant, but just I wanted to get that out there. Thanks for human rebuild. Next point <laughs>
1: <laughs> um I trust you on that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and then the other thing the other thing is eclipses this is the first place where we get a um, a planetary eclipse
1: right that doesn't um, happen in the original
0: not that not to my knowledge it may have but like I felt going into this I was like oh cool they're actually dealing with eclipses that's great um, and it happened throughout the film and I really enjoyed it because again I think a lot of people go like oh I want a cool alien setup so they pick something from the habitable moon to binary stars and then don't really think about it too much after that. And like, obviously that would inform a bunch of culture and stuff. Now, Cameron doesn't delve so far as to give us any snippets of dialogue that tell us about the e- culture that these eclipses would form. Um, like, but, but he does it a little bit and I appreciate that. Like they mention later on in the film, they mentioned like, Oh, if you want to visit this place, the best time to do it would be eclipse. And, um, and eclipses obviously would be much more common on this world. Um, than they were here, and so that was kind of, that was cool, it was kind of like giving a nod to the physical reality of Pandora, it's not just like fancy earth with stuff in the sky, there was kind of like, it felt a little bit more grounded and real, and that I I enjoyed, I could have done more, a little bit more, like maybe tie in feast days to eclipses, maybe have some sort of celebration on the eclipse, like talk about it a little bit more, But um, but overall I think that was an improvement on the first, if I recall the first one correctly okay all right uh, and my f- do I have a final point on this section um short of all the biology is done which we'll talk about later uh no that was my first section too long too long too long is the overriding point
1: i liked um you know when the when the bad guys land on pandora and they go to the big uh bridgehead city mm-hmm. and um I liked some of the some of the tech that was in it. That was that was a nicely designed tech, um, and the first one that that uh, we really see that impressed me was when they go to Bridgehead City, and you see uh, Carmelo Soprano doing kickboxing in the big the big robot suit. That was very mm-hmm.
0: cool.
1: And I just I just like seeing Edie Falco and things. I like Edie Falco.
0: Who Who is this person?
1: Edie Falco. She was. You didn't see a lot of her in the film. She was the the general or whatever the human who was uh, above the the Recom avatars and she's she's an actor she was Carmela Soprano in The Sopranos
0: ah okay I never never watched The Sopranos so um, Sopranos is really good I have a point in some of this tech and again it's kind of in the later parts but I suppose we'll touch on now
1: um do you remember or oh, we move on to act two
0: no let's just do it now because I'll forget okay. it okay like we never stick to any of our formulae or anything here so you know um the, do you remember when uh, everyone's least favorite billionaire, Elon Musk, uh, was talking about releasing this, like, robot thing to, like, help around the house? And it was, like, a humanoid robot. Do you remember that?
1: Oh, yeah. That was stupid, yeah. Yeah,
0: it was stupid, yeah. And the thing that I, I watched a whole bunch of people talk about it, and the thing that kept coming up, and I agree with these people on this, is that, like, we as humans seem to have a fascination of, like, trying to, like anthropomorphize our machines in the extent of like trying to make them like us. Like see Boston Dynamics is another one. Um, And it's like the human form is kind of like good for what like we needed when we evolved, right? But like machines the human form won't work well for machines. So like in relation to Elon Musk thing, people were talking about like, I think, or I think he talked that like, it could be a machine that could go around like stack shelves in supermarkets, this like literal, like humanoid thing. And it's like, well, no, the, the ideal form for that would be something like on rails that can like zip up and down, um, um, like in, in, on a two d plane or whatever like it's really cumbersome making a robot that has human hands that like picks up a can singularly and then like places on the shelf but that's really really cumbersome it works for us but machines don't work that way and i and this is a constant thing in in fiction where it's like the machines must look like us or things we can identify and I get why because it you know makes them more relatable but like There's no need for, like, the fighter robot to look exactly like the skeleton of a human, you know? It can look entirely different. There's no need for the diving robots later on to look functioning like crabs. There's no need for robots to have, like, five digits on two hands. Like, that's just kind of weird and limiting. And and I find it uh, to be, like, a, a bit of a cliche that we could maybe do with moving away from a little bit and we can like truly build like cool looking machines in science fiction that aren't just like this is the crab robot this is the human robot and they're all pretty crap at the jobs that they're intended for because their prime focus appears to be mimicking earth-like forms do you agree with any of that
1: (laughs) parts of it parts the thing about the thing about designing uh it, like, if you if you want a, a machine that's going to navigate a world designed for humans, then it does make sense to have something that is human-formed. If you want no, to build a no. robot on rails to stack shelves, then you have to install rails. You have to build all of that infrastructure. Whereas if you have something that doesn't need that infrastructure, that will fit through doors, will be able to go up steps and things. There has always already been a couple of billion years of evolution that... Has created a form that does that, or maybe to put it more accurately, the the infrastructure that we have is built around that form already. So there is a there is a there is a sense to having something that that works that way.
0: No, I I no, I I'm sorry. I'm gonna to have to disprove you there. Okay, let me let me try and paint a, an analogy here. Imagine we didn't have Hoover's, right? Right. And I, I took the sci-fi writer's uh, methodology of, like, the machine must basically look like a human. What we'll do is we'll invent, like, a machine that looks exactly like a human that bends down and, like, sweeps up dust or picks up dust in a manner that we do because we're aware of that. Like, that's what we do. And we like, that clearly must be the best thing to do. Whereas, obviously, that's nonsense because our Hoovers don't look like humans. They're like little suction boxes. And they... That's what makes them better at their task than what we can do. Do you know what I
1: mean? I know it's what you all- mean, but I mean, it, that doesn't like- change the fact that if, if you want something to navigate a human world and be multi-purpose, then the human shape is already designed to do that. So it is not a bad starting point. And then like you bring, up, you bring up Boston Dynamics, if you want to build robots to kill people that the government are going to buy, then it needs to be something that can fit into buildings. So that's why they have human shapes and dog shapes that can work in that environment. Whereas if you've got a tank, a tank can't do that. If you've got like a, a thing on wheels, that's not going to be able to go upstairs in a little apartment building into caves and things.
0: No, I mean, I mean, no, but it's not like the only form that can navigate uh, our human design world is sure, literally a human.
1: Sure, but the, the, the fact of using a human form isn't itself necessarily a flaw because it has... Situations where it does make sense to use it because we're not doing it in a totally blank world, we're doing it in a human world with human infrastructure and human buildings. All
0: right, no, sorry, I'm sorry, let me Can I fight you some more on this? Sorry, just hold on. Absolutely hold on. not. No, I refuse.
1: <laughs> but like, no,
0: so we, we, like, taking the Boston Dynamics example here, like, the, obviously, there must be some utility in having like dog or human shape form because they wouldn't have stuck with it exactly but like but 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 hold on that's but my entire Boston, point <laughs> no no but hold on hold on Boston Dynamics have been around doing this since I think like really early like in the early 90s like super super early and it's taken them like what 30 40 years to get like functioning humanoid robots and it's like my point would be okay hold on a second, folks. It's taken us that long to be able to get a robot that can navigate human terrain that looks like a human. Maybe, just maybe, our assumption that it needs to look like a human was slightly flawed. And if we had something that maybe didn't look like a human and didn't have to deal with the problems of bipedalism and the instability of bipedalism, particularly when there's a load of mechanical parts that you need support if we just went with, say, like, a small tank-looking thing, not, not like, you know, something on, like, treaded wheels that could navigate around, like, say, rubble to be a bomb disposal thing, like, would that not have more utility? But it's, like, we, we seem to always want to be, like, no, 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 like, the peak form is the human. And it's, like, well, sure, if you started that with that preconceived... Uh, if you start with the conclusion that, that that is the case, but I think that that's... That's flawed. And I think Boston Dynamics kind of sort of proves that because it's taken them literal decades to get a functioning stand, stand-up stand robot when, like, they could have been making other things that worked in that time frame.
1: Yeah, but if the goal is to make something that can go around rubble and go down corridors and jump across gaps, the human form is already a form that can do that. A thing on treads, a thing on wheels cannot.
0: No, but you could. No, but like, no, hold on, no, Bill, that's that's so limited because.
1: Oh my God, we need to get back to top... It's the opposite section. of limited.
0: No, 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 no. If you have a small, like, just imagine a small little, like, little tank thing on treads, right, and it can go, it can go down, uh, it can go on rubble, like tanks do this already, um. Like, we have many instances of stuff with wheels going upstairs. Like, you can BMX a bike upstairs when you just give it enough input power. It could do it there. If it comes to a gap, it could have some sort of, like, extend the arm mechanism or whatever that could, like, get a footing on the other side of the gap and, like, swing it across or whatever. Like, the, like a human jumping is, like, an, like, jumping a gap is an extremely, like, mechanically kind of weird thing and like trying to replicate that in machine form is the evidence points out extremely difficult and awkward to the point where it takes like many many decades to even come close to getting it whereas I'm kind of like I
1: I think that's a bit unfair because it's like if you say they started in the 90s like that means they were working with computers in the 90s that weren't able to deal with that calculation it's not just a, a problem with the form
0: Oh no! I think it's largely a problem with the form because, like bipedalism, is inherently very unstable. Right. Right. So, like, you're start. You're like, you're like, this is our form. This is the form we're going to go with. This form is horrifically unstable. We need to spend thirty years trying to get some sort of uh, sense of stability in this. Where it's just kind of like, just start with a different form. The form is flawed here, folks. I don't think it's a thing of the computers couldn't do the calculations uh, to, well, I mean, to make they, it happen. They, they certainly the, couldn't. But, the prob- but, the- but, the- but for me, the inherent problem is the form and our preoccupation with, like, things need to be humanoid because we've all watched a little bit too much Star Wars and Star Trek when we were younger.
1: No, because... It's like building a postal You have, have, have to, you'd have to go through the, the process of finding what form does work in every different thing. And if you're saying, like, having... That every unit has to carry around extender arms that will be able to support its own weight on both sides when it's in the middle of, of a gap. Like, or just have legs that can do all of that.
0: Yeah, but, but, but the legs are, are the... Okay, we, we, okay, we, okay, time on, oh, on. No,
1: but the legs, the legs are on. difficult to do. And when you have them, they're, they, they solve a lot of other stuff. In a world which is designed for legs... It's like you've got like you need to hammer a nail, so you're trying to find the best kind of shoe to do it with instead of using a hammer.
0: Uh, I mean, I, I could very easily flip that around the other way to to be, to make my point. But look, but look, no, no, we're off do, track. Do we're do, off, do, do. no 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 no. We're oh, no, we got Bill. We got okay. We, got, we well, let's pass this on to the listeners, right? Let's pass it on to listeners. Listeners, just let us know what you think. We need to talk about Avatar. We're forty minutes in, Bill.
1: Okay, and about the giant <laughs> the giant kickboxing robot thing in it being human shaped. <laughs> That's training for using a component. Yeah.
0: Okay. So that that is the one that I had um, almost no problems with. I had problems later on with little crab robots. Um, um Did you know why I one... kept
1: giggling whenever I saw them? <laughs> yes.
0: Yeah, because so I'm kind of surprised you had this reaction because I thought you were like laughing at the fact for the same reason I would be laughing at them. It's like, oh boy, they created a crab. That's very weird.
1: I mean, it's it's a little bit less sensible because humans aren't used to piloting crab-shaped things um but I guess there may I mean I'm not going to defend this deeply but I guess there's maybe a similar argument that crabs are suited to working in aquatic environments and scavenging and stuff so maybe there's a sense to it there I don't know
0: yeah I, I don't know um I, I so just to wrap it up without rehashing the conversation again we're passing on to listeners I thought of the robots in this were um, just a little bit dumb and it was kind of like we have the spider robot we have the crab robot we have the human robot and it's like I see what you're doing here you're taking shapes that we're all familiar with and just making them robots because like rule of cool and not really paying attention to um, the actual needs um, that the situation calls for Um, but, but, but you can fight me on that (laughs) can and will can and will um okay first part done that's so that is up until the the Jake and Cole leave the forest yeah
1: yep done
0: done okay part two avatar Way of water. This is the uh like middle bit of the movie. This is from when the uh Jake, Sully, and Cole leave the forest up until roughly the point that the um Tokun are uh introduced. Um these are the like sentient whale creatures. Um so again, Bill, uh thoughts on this section. What what sort of points have you got?
1: Um. Again, plot wise, nothing in particular. Really, like you know, it's a bit of family drama stuff. It's fine. Um, yeah, that, that's kind of it. Like nothing, nothing stood out plot wise. Um. Again, there were bits of this that were, were really beautiful. Um. The mm-hmm. the underwater stuff uh, was lovely, and uh, lovely looking. Um. Again, I, the three D didn't do much to enhance it for me, but it was it was visually very pretty. Um, I liked some of the creature design. There was one mm. um, one creature in particular I liked, which I have looked up since and discovered is called the pincer fish.
0: fish. Hold on. Yeah. I can almost guarantee you my pots are going to be that this is awful. Uh, pincer fish, Avatar two. Um. Oh yeah, we see that float across uh, the screen uh, at one point. Yeah, yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, we see it a bunch of times. And I'm pretty sure I saw an Anomalocaris at one point, but I haven't been able to find out what what that was.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, these things these things are baller. Yeah. Um, I didn't
1: show you I have I have a, a knitted one of those. I didn't show you when you were down.
0: I have a and a pet Anomalocaris. Links and the show notes, this, folks.
1: Um I saw something that looked a lot like that uh when I was like, "Oh, cool, Anomalocaris, my fave."
0: That, that's really interesting that, like, the life on Pandora should look anything like Earth-like life. <laughs> that, that's.
1: I mean, okay, come on. I mean, that's the premise we're, we're going in with. That's, that's <laughs> no, no, We've so, already got, like, bipedal 12-foot 12 foot, 12 aliens, like, so.
0: Okay, so let, let's do this. Let's do this here. Okay, so all the, any sort of criticism around the biology on Avatar has to be centered around goals. Like, what the goals are. Of the um, the work, right? Um, if the goals are that we just want to make like moderately strange-looking aliens that look familiar, sure, great. I am I'm going to criticize Avatar, but uh, it's been explained to me that at least in the first one, um, part of the marketing um, hype around that was that they apparently Cameron like assembled a crack team of biologists and they came up with like you know a realistic depiction of how life could be on another planet. If, if that's the case and they did that, this is a load of nonsense, right? Because again, if the, <laughs> if the goal is we're going to show you like a proper spec bio project here, th- this is a failure on all accounts. Uh, and like, I don't even think I need to really state this out loud, but here we go. The Navi are obviously immensely stupid. Because they are just humans, like they are aliens that appear that have mammary glands, that are bipedal, that have navels, that have everything the humans do. They are functionally just humans with a couple with blue skin, a couple of dots, and a thing sticking out of the back of the head. That is absurd. And a tail. And a tail. That is utterly absurd. And abs- one less finger. And one less finger. That is obviously utterly absurd. If we find life on another planet and that life happens to be macro life, the chances of it being humanoid are basically nil, right? Um, Essentially essentially yeah and then the um all other life then on the planet is just useless as well like all the fish are basically have evolved from earth-like fish that have the same jaw structure that earth that our like uh, fish ancestors had that gave rise to the earth the terran jaw so to speak that exists on this world so somehow the uh ancestral fish to all of us or whatever made its way to this planet and then like uh, evolution occurred along the exact same lines to give rise to basically the exact same structures we have manta ray looking things here we have whales that look just functionally like whales and all, the, all it is is, like, we'll stick an extra leg on them, or this is for the dogs, <laughs> we'll stick an extra leg on the dog or give them an extra set of eyes. The whole thing is a load of feckin' nonsense. And, again, it all depends on goals. Like, I would never criticize the other avatar, the real avatar, for having, like, bad animals, because at no point did anyone claim that they were going to make, like, a hyper-realistic world here they were very clearly just like we're going to take some of your favorite animals and just smack them together and make fun things cool (laughs) not a bother but if if cameron did assemble a crack team of experts to try and make realistic wildlife this is crap (laughs) the whole thing is crap there is not a single redeeming feature about anything on this planet it's just such awful superficial bollocks i hate it so much it's
1: It's realistic in the sense that it's just the same (laughs) as what is real. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Not like in any interesting spec bio way.
0: Yeah. Plus an extra leg or two. I will say, though, one thing I'll give it credit for, uh, and maybe credit isn't even due here because, again, it's just take art but add bits. At least, at the very least, you can kind of get a sense of common descent from the animals on uh, Pandora. Because, like the dog thing, for example, like it has the two sets of eyes, um, uh, so does the whale thing, so does the elu that they ride. You can kind of see that there are traits that are kind of held in common. So you kind of get a feel that this all arose out of a common ancestor, which is not a thing that one can say for all spec pyro, um, projects that have been created, um. Uh, throughout the years. So that's at least yeah. something, but that's kind of like happened by accident because again, they clearly just took like already realistic scenario, Earth, and just shoved an extra eye on it. And it's just, it's so lazy. It's just so lazy. Just come on. It's like the equivalent of the line We have a bunch of people out here doing spec bio. Get someone else to do it. Just Get someone else to come up with the wildlife and it'll be great. It's just, ugh. Uh. flora and fauna and then bill sorry i'm just gonna go off on one here the the bioluminescence bill i hate it so incredibly much it's not even funny it's like why in the name of christ does everything have to glow like what is what is the benefit of this like evolutionarily like this is just rule of cool like it'd be really cool if all the plants glowed and it's like okay but like this is dumb (laughs) just everything glows everything is bioluminescent and it's like it's so it's so cliched it's just ah uh, I just I, I hate it and I I hate now that I've gotten into spec bio that I can see these things the first time around I was kind of like yeah I guess it'd be kind of unusual to have humans but like now I kind of like having studied a bit like really understand and I can't watch this film in seriousness now because it's just like it's just such a load of bollocks <laughs> but anyway I'm sorry rant on <laughs>
1: Yeah, uh, like it's it's silly. It is silly. It's just it's just it, silly.
0: It's silliness that takes itself very seriously, which is the worst type of silliness.
1: Yeah, yeah, the the the, the film it does take itself very very seriously. Um and like I guess I, it kind of has to for, you know, the the explicit um inspirations and stuff behind it, but you know, also it's it is a, a science fiction film where they've kind of not put a huge amount of seriousness into the the science fiction part. yes
0: correct I, I would say it's more science fantasy at this stage yeah yeah, yeah,
1: in, yeah. In, in effect absolutely for sure
0: um the we, we've met the uh meta, meta no way sorry metkaina um any thoughts on these boils these for the listeners who haven't seen this if you are still listening um these are the like the turquoise navi. These are the Navi that uh, live in faraway island chains. And they are like our friendly forest Navi, except they have turquoise skin. Uh, and they have, like, a more fit, I guess, eel-like tail to help them swim. And they also have a little, some further adaptions for swimming.
1: Um, yeah, their, their forearms are kind of th- uh, broader and, and flatter.
0: Yeah, what, what did we think about this? The, the uh, Pandora has the concept of race.
1: <laughs> um... Mixed. Um hmm. like it is good that the in, in indigenous um sentience uh what was was sophants? Was that the word? Sophants, yeah. The indigenous sophants aren't a monoculture, aren't all identical. Mm-hmm. Um uh You know, sure, like, if we just accept the premise of the film as it is, that they're significantly biologically different in order to live in the water, yeah, fair enough. Um, It was a bit weird that, you know, they're so biologically different, but seemingly have a pretty much um, near-identical culture Mm -hmm. um, in Mm -hmm. that they can interface, kind of come away with the feeling that... uh, the creators think all indigenous people are sort of interchangeable.
0: mm mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> um, Which I'm not super on board with. <laughs> Nor am I. Uh,
0: um, yeah, if I could jump here and say, this, yeah, this is kind of absurd because it's like, it's shown, and I think it's explicitly stated that they're like, these people live far, far away. And like the no one comes into con no one none of the forest Navi come in contact with the sea Navi basically ever. But like they rock up on their shores, Jake and Cole, and like they all speak the same language. And they Ooh. all like understand and have like a, a culturally um uh significant terms. Like they said something like we seek and they insert made up word here that's basically refuge. Yeah. Why would this translate cross cultury Like that's the equivalent of like me as a European, if I just got on a boat and sailed to some island in Kiribati and was like, I claim squatter's rights and everyone goes, oh, squatter's rights. Like, why do they have the concept of squatter's rights? Like, why would I know what their culturally uh, culturally significant concepts are and why would um, vice versa? This makes no sense. I guess what, if why the moon all...
1: is literally alive and you can plug your head directly into it, maybe cultural concepts disseminate more broadly and uniformly.
0: So yeah, there is an there is an awful lot that can be explained away by just like yeah the magic tree that connects everything, um, which is a bit lame. <laughs> I, I think it's a little bit lame to, to have to like rely on that sort of explanation. But uh, I just thought this was a good opportunity for a uh, second conlang to creep in, and uh, maybe it didn't I missed it? But I felt like it was they were all speaking the same language, and that was a bit sad. And and later on, it also appears that the Tokun. Also speak the same language as oh the. Oh my god! Yes. Uh, as the Navi and I'm like, could we have had a third conlang? That would be kind of dope. Um, but it looks like they didn't do that. Now, I could be wrong. Yeah, how just,
1: does How does the young fella understand what the what tul-kun, what the tul-kun is saying?
0: Okay, no, hold on. Let's park that. Let's we'll do a little bit more chronologically. I have two things to bring up before the Tulkun okay. show up. Um, it, uh, even I, the first Tulkun? Even the first Tokun, correct, yeah. Um, this is when they were doing the sort of like training sequence where where Jake's children were learning how to integrate into the society. Um, the, I found the excessive use of the word bro to be really annoying. <laughs> the kids keep being like, bro, you can't go there, bro, bro. And it's like, I t- like it's not a big deal it was just really irritating that they kept being like that um and then the other thing i was going to bring up is that uh, a cool point but also i think a missed opportunity there was an opportunity for a sign language con lang what is that? a con hmm. what what's the word for this because i've never built a constructed sign language is there a word like a con
1: something? I mean it's still a con lang oh,
0: it's still a con that's that's fair um because I was like, oh cool, they have like this sign language that they use to communicate underwater because, you know, sound doesn't permeate through water so well. That sounds really great. And then watching them do their hand signals, it was just, again, really lame because at one point I think they had to convey like he is strong or something uh, to one of them in this underwater sign language. And the the person doing the speaking just like raised their clenched fist in a sort of like rosy derivative sort of manner. And I was like, <laughs> why would that be their concept of strength? Like, that doesn't necessarily follow. That's a very, like, Earth thing. And and again, I guess that it's a film and, like, it needs to lean on things that we're aware of for it to make sense. If you were to present anything that's truly alien, it, no one will watch it. It'd be very isolating. I get that. But it's just kind of, like, too often, it was just... It, it went back to the same old thing of, like, this is just Earth, but with funny colors and extra eyes. Mm. And it was like this. Um... So I was like damn well, also, it they, oh, sorry, go on.
1: Also because the, the sign language was subtitled like it didn't matter whether it it, it made visual sense to us. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't yeah, that, even that helpful for like explaining what they were what they were doing. No, it was just you know we had subtitles so they could have used whatever signs.
0: Yeah. And, and I mean it's just it's a missed opportunity. We could have had two extra conlangs uh, and a sign language lying in there and from what I could tell that wasn't the case. And I was like, oh, lads, come on. If you're going to spend, like, a whole jillion dollars on this, just em- just employ David Peterson again. <laughs> <laughs> I know I know. I realize he didn't do the first one, but, like, just... Or who who's the guy who did Navi? What was his name? Hold on. Peterson? No, no, no. It wasn't Peterson. Um, no. It's, like, the one movie uh, or one bit of content Peterson isn't involved. In Paul Frammer. Paul Frommer. that's right. Just get Paul to come up with more languages. Um that would be kind of dope to see. Um but yeah, anyhow. Uh so that was that. Now now the Tokun enter. Tell me this point about the to- the Tokun, the whale people.
1: So in in the film there's like a, a, a little conflict between the the original avatar teenagers um from the from the forest and the so what what what's the what's the sea people clan called again?
0: Uh the Metkayina.
1: The Metcaina, between so between the Amatakaia and the Metcaina people, uh, the, between the teenagers, there's a little bit of a conflict. Uh, and the Metcaina take one of Jake Sully's sons out to hunt in, like, the forbidden area beyond the reef and abandon him there. And he gets attacked by a big shark. And then whale, whale. a big oh, whale.
0: Oh, that's right. Yeah, the shark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's
1: mm-hmm. attacked yeah. by a shark. And then a big whale comes and kills the shark and saves him. And then they become friends. Um, and... <laughs> And we're like he's able to talk, Loak, that the son is able to talk to the the Tolkun, the, the the whale guy. Um and it just kind of there's no kind of revelation that this creature is is um sapient and, and capable of speech and Loak can understand his speech. And it was it was all just very kind of out of the blue.
0: Yeah. I agree.
1: It kind of like, we were assumed that it was, like, were we supposed to just assume it was a, a sapient? Um, or how did, how did Loak know that they were sapient? Um,
0: and also... Yeah,
1: it was really weird.
0: And also the term Tokun wasn't mentioned prior to him, to Loak getting back from that and chatting with the other teenagers. And they just kind of casually dropped it like, "Oh, you met uh Tokun," and that wasn't explained really. And like the the first time I watched this, the when I first clocked they were actually properly sentient, it wasn't until the wailing scene at the very very end because the spirit tree thing that connects all life on this planet, um, that's a very simple explanation about like what's can go on here like why can everyone talk whatever because everyone's like mystically connected or whatever. it's not it's not immediately obvious that they're another sentient and that was never mm. talked about or explained until like literally an hour later and there was, so there was no setup to the introduction of this new sentience and then the sort of like explanation part did very little to explain what the hell was going on and it was just it was really disorientating and confusing um but I will say, One cool thing here, non-human sentience, that's cool. That's fun. A non-human soul font, that is cool because, again, too many people uh, assume that if you're going to have a sentient creature, they're going to be bipedal, they're going to have opposable thumbs, um, they're going to come from a brachiating ancestor, etc. Like, essentially, Mm -hmm. they're going to be us. And a a, a depiction of a uh, a non-human soul font is cool. I I enjoy that, and I think the choice of having like a whale sort of creature is is quite good because like a, a, even lay people will kind of associate lots of marine creatures as being extremely intelligent, and so that kind of follows a little bit. Um, so that's, that's kind of cool. Um, a bit a, a, a kind of not a big issue, but an issue I have that I can kind of convince myself isn't an issue is that it's kind of unrealistic from a biology standpoint to have uh two. Sofants inhabit the one planet, the kind of expected thing that biologists will predict is that there will be one Sofant that will come to dominate the sort of like, air quotes, intelligent niche. Um, So that's a little bit weird to have that. But I think the fact that it's in the water and like the difference between land and water is so extreme that you can functionally think of them as being oh. like two separate realms. So I'm willing to to get on board with that a, a little bit. But um in general, two sapients or two soul fonts on the one planet if there isn't, like, uh, colonization going on, like interplanetary colonization. It's a little bit dubious. Um, but, but yeah, like I said, I'm okay with that.
1: I mean, that, that seems like a bit of a stretch to say because, you know, we've, we've only got us to, to base it on.
0: Yeah, so any talk of anything to do with intelligence is uh, can be said to be a bit of a stretch because, yeah, sample yeah. set of one. But there are sort of, like... Um, Things we can draw from us that uh, it's reasonable to assume would hold. Um, mm. uh, it is, but like, and it's not opposable thumbs and bipedalism as people may think. <laughs> um, uh, but, but yeah, yeah. So um, the and another thing on the Tokun, when um, when Loak beats this Tokun guy. Um, there was a really dumb scene that I think was meant to feel like impactful or something, but it just looks stupid where Loak, uh, and Tokun become friends and Loak like holds his fin and there's a shot from under the water and it is meant to be all triumphant stuff, but it just looks stupid. Like it looks really stupid. I think you laughed at that at one point in the cinema. It was just, um.
1: Very possibly.
0: <laughs> it was just a bit dumb. It was just a bit dumb altogether. Um, and this whole training section, this whole bit, um, middle bit, is just, it's essentially a rehash of the first one, you know, where yeah. Jake Sully was learning how to get down with the natives, so to speak. Now the kids are learning to get down with the natives and almost sort of beat for beat, um, it happened this way. And I was like, why are we Why are we soft rebooting? And But I guess I'm willing to give, because I feel like their plan is to make a bajillion Avatar movies here. And much like with a trilogy, the sort of second book is always a bit tricky because it's always kind of like filler sort of stuff to get to the end portion. So I'm willing to give it a bit of leeway here and be like, look, the second movie is awkward. If if a third movie then kind of like wraps up and delivers, I'll be like, sure, fine. Um, but yeah, this is this is classic second movie sort of stuff going on here where it's like, what the hell do we do? We don't know. No, let's do the first one again and figure a way of like wrapping it all up in the next one. Um yeah. Any further thoughts?
1: Um, as far as we've gotten to here, no, I don't think so. Uh, yes, I've written how on earth were we supposed to know that the whale Tul'kun were sentient? That was my note on that one. <laughs> um, nope, that's it for me so far. I think.
0: Um, yeah. So what do I have here? I have there's a scene where again, following with the, uh, it's beat for beat. Uh, the first movie, there's a scene where all the teenagers go to the underwater sacred tree. So we have sacred tree Mm -hmm. 2.0 and I'm like, oh, and again, I guess that makes sense. Like, you know, every culture on Pandora might settle itself about a sort of religious, religiously significant site and that would be a sort of like mini sacred tree I guess, but it, it it didn't really help with the whole like it's just the first one again. Um, there was that's around called
1: the tree of souls, the the underwater one. Yes, oh tree God. of souls.
0: That's it. Um, yeah, I just wrote in derogatory terms here. Spirit tree two point um, <laughs> There around this time we had the questioning about the the lineage of um, uh, Kiri. The um, yeah. what's her name? What's what's the actor actor's name? Sigourney Weaver. Sigourney Weaver. Sigourney Weaver's virgin birth thing. Um, or maybe not so virgin, who knows. This whole bit questioning uh, Kiri's, uh who the father was, it felt a little bit like J.J. Abrams' mystery box to me, where it's like, it's a little bit dropped and not really dealt with. Like, I have a guess who the father is. I think it's probably the planet itself. Like, it's the, the tree, the whatever, the mm. interconnected energy or whatever. But it's kind of Awa. like... Ewa, that's it. And it, it kind of made... It's just like they, they questioned it and then it just was left there. And I feel like, oh, crap, this is something that's there for the third movie to resolve. And it just... I kind of hate this sort of Abrahamic... Is that the right way of saying it? Like Abrams? Abrams-esque? Abrams-esque, maybe, yeah. This sort of like Abrams-esque narrative um, device. I kind of hate it. It just feels... It feels like clickbait and it's it's a bit annoying. Um, so I don't know. Do you like, feel the same um, way?
1: Setting up mysteries and never fully resolving them,
0: or or setting them up in a sort of really obvious like hey 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 this is a mystery this is a mystery and then resolving it like a movie or two later, um like All I'm right. fine with a mystery being set up that's kind of like goes under this under the radar and then at the end you're like oh. That was actually set up, like that's class. But when it's shoved in your face to be like mystery alert, mystery alert, mystery alert, and then you don't get the payoff until uh, either never or way down the road, that drives me a little bit daft. Mm. Um, yeah. Thoughts on that? Do you concur?
1: I mean, I don't have the context of the first film to to fully get what was going on with with Kitty. Um, like you know, they were doing some. Kind of fairly standard, uh, angsty, angsty teenager stuff there, yeah. that uh, <laughs> sort of ended with uh, autistic people are magic as the oh, Jesus, yeah. as the final beat, uh, which again not super keen on. <laughs> um, yep, <laughs> Al- although in this no, sorry,
0: although in what? this case it's like um, it's a, it's almost like magic people are magic because again working on the assumption that her father is in fact like the god tree. Um. You could you could read it like if you're to be charitable, you could read it as a like magic people are magic and not autistic people are magic. But I I, I oh would... I know,
1: but like her her neurodivergence and uh, kind of the way she is different from the other teenagers and the way she doesn't fit in. And I mean it it, it's, it follows a lot of the same beats as portrayals of neurodivergence in media. I think.
0: Yeah, I mean, so I'm not sure I agree fully on that. Uh, okay. I would have read her as just being more like aloof than Neurodivergent, just being like okay. like a lost, grumpy teenager who doesn't really fit in. I, 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 I honestly didn't pick up any Neurodivergent energy at all there. Okay, um, but I I could Fair be enough, wrong. Yeah. I mean I mean like look at like, the track record of these films is that like if there is some sort of minority group that you can kind of like stereotype and pigeonhole. It's gonna be done. So like I, I think your reading may not be incorrect. I just I just didn't pick up on it. Um no,
1: that's that's fair, yeah.
0: The around this time, uh Spider is he's now like teamed up with in a sort of very odd, not really well explained way with the bad guys, and he's kind of showing them about. Um and well, I mean he was
1: essentially kidnapped by them and kind of forced to.
0: He was, but like it's I think they were trying to like do a sort of like he feels a little bit at home because like the avatar lead dude is also kind of sort of his father, so he was like mm. he found a family there. But like again, it just wasn't convincingly done. Um, maybe they're try- maybe they're trying to do Stockholm syndrome. I don't know. I found spiders. I found spider to be superfluous to superfluous to all requirements really. Um, but there was a scene where they're on uh the the bad avatar um is flying with with spider on on the the the, the mythical bird thing and uh, there he's learning napfi and he's like teaching how to say i think it's like how are you or how are you doing um and he's like well nati kameya right <laughs> and then the, the 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 jar head goes well natty kameya and then he's like no no not natty natty and my note here was like yes veter nasal's in odd set positions are tricky for some <laughs> 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 and it's like the classic thing of like you first get into conlang and you're kind of like wait i could put the ng sound at the start of the word this is dope and then loads of people struggle with it and i found i was like a little window into the conlangosphere i thought that was kind of fun <laughs> Um, what do we have else here after this oh yeah I have loads of comments here about just like icky sort of like um, treatment of indigenous people um, like spirit sister they're saying so that much. you what <laughs>
1: so much there is so much yeah
0: they kept they kept saying like the the Met- metaina like, say that they are like spirit sisters and spirit brothers to, to the tokun and again that plays into uh sort of like how uh the white man thinks about the culture of um various uh, indigenous American tribes and the whole spirit animal sort of thing and again mm. also beyond that it's kind of like why would they use the same language they're aliens they're not earth people um you know it's just uh, again it was just
1: <sighs> uh, i I'm, I'm willing to translation convention that away like it's just they're they're speaking. In Navi, but we're hearing it in English, so it's just you know, it's a it's a familiar enough term for us to get.
0: Sure, sure, it's a racist translation.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, now th- this, I have a, I have quite a few points on this. Do do, um, do do do. So the the I've forgotten their their name again. Met- Metkaina. Uh,
0: Metkaina.
1: The Metkaina. The Metkaina are um, meant to be um, more Maori inspired. Yeah. Um and the guy who plays the leader of the Metcaina is a Maori actor.
0: Hmm. Okay. Uh,
1: and and he he has said, I oh, kind of, I'm really excited to be able to do this and kind of portray you know, do this portrayal in um of you know elements of our culture, something to that effect. It's also gotten a lot of criticism from some Maori groups. Um and I didn't know this at the time, but uh, James Cameron said some weird stuff around the first film as well, which was heavily criticized by Native Americans. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um so like this film is clearly meant to be explicitly it is explicitly anti-colonial and it is meant to be um mm-hmm. sympathetic uh and and all of that it doesn't necessarily get it right it's trying but it doesn't necessarily get it right <laughs> sure um there's the, the whole thing about how the the Navi, like, they can literally plug into the other animals and the plants and, and, like, literally communicate with, with the planet. Um, because, you know, the, 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 planet is, uh, conscious. Um, that was a little uncomfortable for me, playing with ideas of how, in like, magical indigenous people, um, who have been othered by, by colonizers, and how they're just, oh, they're just closer to nature. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. and that's taking that kind of, weird racist um perception of people and making it a scientific fact, which was my first bit that I was like, oh, that's kinda not great. <laughs> um and then thinking more about it, having that kind of attitude sort of absolves colonizers that, oh, you know, those people they're just they're just different. They're just more in tune with nature. They're just kind of magical as opposed to no, they're just actually smart and know not to kill everything and yeah. they have lived there for longer and they have, they figured out how things work in this environment in this part of the world. Um, and just putting a magical explanation on that is really kind of, it is gross and it is, you know, it is giving them this, this other status, but also it, it absolves the people who, who have gone and messed things up for, of what they do in a sense. You know what I mean?
0: I mean, I mean, kind of, I wouldn't go so far as to say it absolves them. Um, because even if their thinking is, like, they're they just magic and not, like, sentient or whatever, um, or smart or intelligent, that still doesn't mean one should, like, you know, bulldoze their backyard. Um,
1: sure, but not, I don't mean it in that sense. I mean, in, like, oh, well, I mean, what else could we have done? We're just, you know, we're not able to be like that because they're, they're just, you know, they're more in tune with nature. Um, oh,
0: I see, I see. Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: And as I said earlier, I did find it a little bit weird how to make... All of the like the the different indigenous cultures kind of samey. Um, I know they are different biologically, and there are there is kind of a, a bit of a clash between them. But you know, as we said, they can they have the same language and the, the shared cultural understandings. And yeah, um, you know they the, the the two inspiration cultures live very very far apart, <laughs> mm-hmm. and they're not particularly they're not any more related to each other than any other groups of peoples that far apart. So yeah, uh, it's me a little. It's made that. I felt that a little uncomfortable.
0: I I agree. Um on a way more superficial uh, critique uh, on on the sort of depiction of um indigenous cultures here. A- again, these are aliens, right? Why do they have Maori tattoos? Like or face paintings? If they're not t- they yeah. shouldn't have that same design culture. Th- this is absurd. <laughs> Why at yeah. one po- at one point they all started doing like a pseudo haka. And it's like, why did they have the concept oh, of... the, the stick in the tongue out thing. The stick in the tongue out thing. Why did they oh, have yeah, that concept? That like, that concept is tied to, like, um, as far as I'm aware, someone who is uh, Maori can correct me. I think it's tied to um, the concept of uh, battle and, like, intimidation of opponents and how they thought about intimidating opponents. And you have to look scary and you know, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, why is that the same here? Like, they do not know what the Maori is. They have had, I'm assuming, no contact with Maori people on Earth. They should have a radically different culture, but it's not. It's just Maori. And I wonder, I wonder, uh, this is, because so often when people do the sort of like seafaring, like air quotes, tribal people, it's often depicted as like a um, pastiche of Maori culture. I wonder do, it has to be a case that other Polynesians Are like roll their eyes every time they see this. They're like, someone in Samoa or whatever is kind of like, why is it always the people on New Zealand? Like, it's all we
1: exist too.
0: Yeah, we exist too because it's always, it always defaults to Maori. Um, And I think that's probably because we think of, because I think there's a lot of shared tradition in in that area. Um, Or at least I know from watching sports that lots of Polynesian teams uh, have haka like dances. I don't know the correct term for what that is but they all have like variants sure. on that so I guess the ignorant white man will look at that and be like ah sure they're all the same um, but they're obviously <sighs> not and I'm, I'm sure again someone in Samoa is like we're not all Maori please stop <laughs> I'm sure that's the case Um, but it, I, I hated that when they just started doing the hacker because I was like no <laughs> they would not know what this is please stop this is yeah not great not great at all
1: I guess it's not really our place to comment too much about it I'd be I would be interested to read more Maori perspectives um, and other indigenous, like, you know, Native American uh, perspectives on it because they were so much the focus of the first one. And the kind of the stories are, are is still very focused on kind of what Europeans did in North America. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd, I'd be interested to, to hear a bit more. Um, are, we, are we kind of, we're kind of in the third act now, aren't we?
0: Well, we're literally about, the third act kind of starts with the wailing we're, we're kind of yeah. there um okay okay act number three from wailing to end thoughts Bill okay
1: thoughts do you have any it's, I no I didn't hear what you said I was, I was asking if that was what you would said Sorry. oh no, let's take that again no
0: no no let's leave it in thoughts Bill god
1: damn it <laughs> um it's It's kind of like Moby Dick. It's the end of Moby Dick from the whale's point of view. Um, (laughs)
0: It is a bit, isn't it? (laughs) uh,
1: And the, yeah, like the, the, the captain whaler uh, gets killed by, by the whale and even loses a limb doing so, which I thought was fun. Uh, I actually cheered because I could see that coming when his, when his arm got like pulled up against the, the, the structure with the, with the cable wrapped around it. And then got pulled off and his arm flew off into the air. I was like yay <laughs> um, not just for the catharsis of seeing the the evil whaler get killed just because I I was excited for that visual. Um, so in the ending um the bad guys the 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 marine avatars um they track down where where Jake Sully is hiding out. Um, and they enlist these whalers to, to help them hunt them down, to massacre a lot of whales and draw them out, draw out the, the navi to, mm-hmm. to recapture Jake Sully. Um, and it's obviously, I mean, whaling is, is bad and it's, it's meant to be like uh, the whaling of the 1800s and also in, in Spider's reaction to how they massacre all these whales and then they just attract one substance from the brain, and they leave the rest of it to, to rot is kind of like stories of what Europeans did to hmm. um, buffalo or, or bison in, in North America. I can't remember which the right term is. Um, wait, instead did, of you know,
0: but y- did did bison have immortality juice in their heads?
1: Bison didn't have immortality juice that we know of. Right. Um, but I mean they were driven to to near extinction, so it may be hard to tell.
0: Hmm. What's the correct? Is it bison or is it buffalo? Does does that matter that distinction?
1: I have just looked it up. Uh, sometimes colloquially referred to as an American buffalo, uh, but it is a bison. A buffalo is a right. is a different clade. Okay. Buffalo okay. are are African um, and Asian.
0: Oh, okay, okay, okay. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah.
1: So um, strictly speaking, bison. Uh, yeah, so they they kill the they kill all these tulkun, uh to extract am- amrita. Is that what it's called?
0: Yeah, I have Amaretta uh, written down here, but I'm pretty sure it's drink.
1: Amaretta was like an almond liqueur, I think. I think so,
0: because I I remember uh, I shot a, um, a film noir in college, which you should remember, you were a cameraman for a little bit of it. And sure um, I had to. There was a scene where I went to a bar to uh, chat up a dame, and I was like, I ordered myself an Amaretta sour with a tr- with a twist. So I was like, it's definitely not Amaretta. It might be amarita. <laughs> I can't remember it's amarita. Yeah, amarita. Um, amarita. Yeah. And so this, 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 this brain juice or whatever, or actually, it's not. And not actually in its brain. It just. They, they, I think they just said it's some gland, but they can only get at it through the hard palate. Mm-hmm. Um, and this this uh, affords humans uh, immortality, it stops aging, apparently. Now, I'm not sure actually if it's immortality or just it stops the look of aging. Either way, it's something that humans, like, um want a lot and are I mean, willing the, to... Go on.
1: It, it's, it says in the wiki here, it's it's said to be able to stop human aging completely. That's that's what I took away from it as well, that it wasn't just a cosmetic thing, like, that it okay. actually yeah. stopped the... Stopped the aging.
0: So Cameron has been reading some uh, Kim Stanley Robinson of late. How do you reckon? Isn't in Mars, the Mars trilogy. Don't they have like the thing that stops human aging?
1: I mean, it's not exclusive to the Mars trilogy.
0: No, I know. But it, well, that just popped into my head. I was like, ah, oh, it's the immortality juice from, from uh, Red Mars. Lol. Well, they,
1: they didn't have an immortality juice as much as a genetic thing. Genetic fixers, as far as I remember. Yeah, yeah, they, they like There's
0: they a... they made their own immortality juice, whereas this one is naturally yeah. occurring. But, um,
1: <laughs> um, if you can't make your own immortality juice, hunted is fine. Um,
0: <laughs> um, yeah, so go, go on, you you're it's explaining this part.
1: Um, and yeah, so th- so that's why there are whalers on on Pandora. Again, the timeline here is is a little peculiar. Um, if they've mm-hmm. only been, cause they come back at the start, the humans come back at the start after like a, a decade or 15 years or something away. Um, yeah, it must be about 15 years. Um, and then a year later, you know, after, after Sully runs away and a year passes, um, there's like this large, well established, um, uh, whaling industry and mm-hmm. they know what this stuff does and it's being exported back to earth. Um, seems yeah. a little quick to do in a year but anyway yeah. that's 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 a, a minor quibble um and so yeah they they uh, massacre a lot of whales and then they f- find out where uh Sully is and they attack a lot of whale a load of falcoon near there and that draws the navi out into the protracted Final confrontation <laughs> of the battle of, of the film, which is like about forty minutes long.
0: Protracted is oh my god, protracted is is the understatement of the century. It just went on and on and on. Um, it, you
1: know, for all that I enjoyed it, it did go on a bit. Yes, I will, I will, I will certainly agree with that.
0: And and there, it felt like there was there was a really natural stopping point at like midway through the protracted final conflict thing where I was like oh we're done now and it just kept going and I was like we yeah. should have killed it at that point like we didn't have to go through this um I overall like I really felt this needed this film and maybe this is something that I should reserve for the end but here we are um it it needed a second pass like someone needed to just. Edit it down a little bit more. Mm. Um, it, it felt like it wasn't as refined as it as it could be. Um, on the whaling, right? I like this. Um, I share a lot of your um, not the concern you brought up about the timeline seems a bit weird. I noted that as well. Um, but I really I, one I like the anti whaling message. I think that's cool. Um, I really enjoy <laughs> this. Going to sound horrible when science fiction depicts the hunting of uh, soul fonts of sentient species that's class because i think too often not all the time but a lot of the time when there's like aliens um depicted in in science fiction fantasy they are one like humans and two these like holier than thou douchebags who come to the humans to give them philosophy lessons about why humans are terrible etc and they're treated as kind of like god creatures a little bit um and I, I personally love the sort of, I guess, trope of humans either don't know that they're hunting full-on intelligent species or do know and don't give a crap. And that's really dark. And I think there's a lot of play that can be had there. I think that's great. I really, really enjoy that. It's a really dark, morbid storyline. And um, I kind of wish a lot more of the film was about that.
1: Yeah, that would have been an interesting thing to to explore more deeply.
0: Yeah. Because it's um and another thing, this is kind of sort of spoilers for upcoming things I would like to do on the channel. But uh, another thing that I find is like a, a sort of like dark horror sort of thing is not only the hunting of a sentient species of a soul font, um the domestication of a sentient species. That is some dark nonsense there. Uh, like and what, I think, like for example, no, like for like that you make that the premise, like humans call go to a world. There's some creature there that they happen to domesticate. Again, either they know that they are sentient uh, or uh, either they don't know that they're sentient or they don't care and they just domesticate them anyways because humans are greedy. And then the process of domestication makes animals dumber than their wild counterparts. So you're literally killing intelligence in this sort of like cruel, like slave type way. There's so much play there. I absolutely love that. And yeah, yeah. This, that's just another thing that I think I, I want to lean into on the channel. I think that's class, it's really but dark. Like,
1: uh, how, do you have an example of that? Like in of that? In, in, in fiction?
0: No, no. Of the domestication? No, no. That that's okay. something that, like I said, I, I would like to lean into, and it follows from this sort of idea yeah. of like hunting sofants to like, wait a minute, what else can humans do that's really terrible?
1: Domestication,
0: and it kind of. I mean, that's, seems- that's
1: just uh, that's just a different word for slavery.
0: Well, I mean, I don't. Did this? I don't think this happened with with this like Atlantic slave trade and all that. If we didn't like the white man didn't breed their slaves, did they? In a in a sort of like the same way you'd breed animals. Um, this is very dark. I'm sorry, it is, people.
1: It is my understanding that there there was an element of that in America. Or that there was, really, there was there was an, an intention towards our attempt. I don't know for sure. Um,
0: wow. Yeah. Okay. And because, but you can see how dark that is, though. Like, oh, of that, course, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. That is that is like, oh, that is the worst. And again, because domestication, like domesticated animals that we have, are just dumber than their um, wild counterparts. It's just breeding, just breeding the intelligence out of them. And then, like, imagine, imagine a scenario a bit. Yeah. Like, imagine humans land on a planet. There's this. There's this intelligent uh, species there. They domesticate a portion of the population and like just from the point of view of from the domesticated and the non domesticated imagine how the non domesticated would feel that their kin have been kind of like bred into hmm. it, it, to be to be to being animals again like there's so much like dark dark interaction goes on there i'm sorry i'm going off yeah. one these are things i'd like to explore and the wailing made me think of this like the don't treat soulfons. treating soulfons always as being holier than Dao than like uh, uh, spiritual guides that come from the stars happens too much and they don't like it this is cool, hunting and killing soulfonds, oh,
1: this is cool oh god yeah cause the the, the Tulkun the, the, the bit of their brain that makes them spiritual is bigger they're, they're more spiritual than humans, and, and I, I really rolled my eyes at that.
0: Yeah, I have, uh, I wrote here, uh, yeah, more spiritual, dot, 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 daft. Uh, apparently, just by looking at the neurons, you can tell that the culture has music, philosophy, mathematics, and complex language. It's like, that, does that fo- follow? Does, does that, like, humans are intelligent, and there was a portion of time where we didn't have mathematics. Why would looking at a brain yeah. would you tell you that someone can do maths? That's a bit weird.
1: Yeah, <laughs> it was it's very a bit, strange. Like yeah, they could. wasn't, and so, wasn't it, a fan it, of that.
0: It was so stupid. They they could just be like th- they could say something like they have the largest brain to body size uh, ratio that we have ever seen. This implies that mm. they are highly intelligent. Stop right there. Don't go any further. But they had to go like they're very spiritual
1: and mathematical. There, there was there was something like that because yeah, yeah. or didn't someone say how do you know? And he said oh the, the number of the number of connections that would that, just leave it
0: there <laughs> yeah that's what i'm saying that's what i'm saying don't go on to make assertions about mathematics or whatever and it's just like we get it like we, we these are smart you don't you don't need to treat the audience here as being really dumb cameron come on um mm. so the 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 juice that they get from the whale that makes humans uh that stops the the aging thing um i wonder i don't know if this is the case because i've not read anything about this second movie um i wonder is this a replacement for Unobtainian? Because, like, un- Unobtainium was dumb and everyone hated it. um, And they went all their way to explain, like, I think at one point some character says, this is the reason we are on Pandora now. Like, this is the prime mm-hmm. exploitable resource. I wonder if this is a backtrack, a retcon. Like, oh, un- Unobtainium doesn't exist anymore. It's fine. This is why we're here. um, And I wonder if that's because of pushback. Because I remember... Yeah, a lot of the reviews around the time the first one came out was like, "Oh my god, I can't believe you made unobtainium a real thing." That's just meant to be like a MacGuffin. It's like if you made the MacGuffin a real thing, that's a bit weird. Yeah.
1: Um, so I wonder if, if Cameron was self-aware. Blatant yeah. name to give it.
0: Yeah, exactly. So I wonder if Cameron was self-aware, and also, also, it, it, I think this age serum, this stops aging stuff, is a much better thing than the unobtainium because it's like, mm. the, the the unobtainium, I always thought was really weird that it's like it only exists in Pandora, but it's like, uh, it's a depicted as sort of like a metal and it's kind of like, and I know t- Pandora's magic and stuff, so I guess magic metal and magic can explain a whole bunch of things here, but it's like, the, if it's a, a physical property of this universe, we would expect it to be in other places as well. Whereas we wouldn't expect this particular sulfant to be in other places as well. So this is, this is a much better um, sort of thing to, to mine as a resource to extract from this planet than the sort of like magic metal, uh, nondescript magic metal. This has like a role. It does a function. It's like this is how it's gotten. And the way it's gotten is more dark and grim than just like we mine. Um, yeah, this is much much better than the unobtainium, and I'm kind of sad that they didn't think of this earlier.
1: I'd imagine that both will still be in play, um, because there was talk of of mines. I think at some point in the in the film, um, and you know, if there's an extra thing that they can they can massacre to to extract, they're going to do that.
0: I mean, that's fair. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's not, it's like when when the white man came to the Americas. It's not like they were only taking, you know sugar or whatever it's like everything that could yeah. be taken was taken yeah fair um what else do i have here uh oh, no I, let me talk to you have you got any points um before i move on
1: um no i mean i guess like as i said i, I overall i i kind of enjoyed this final act much more than i enjoyed the rest of the film um it, it did go on a bit long but it was it was entertaining uh there were bits where i thought the uh the explosions and stuff didn't look great um,
0: mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. I liked when the, when the Tulkun jumped up on the huh. ship and, and started, uh, massacring people on it. That was very cool. And then someone shot a harpoon at him and he like ricocheted off his armor plating. I thought that was excellent. Um, the, yeah, very, very cathartic seeing all the, all the whalers get killed. Um, a big lot of fun in effect this ended up being kind of like watching the rise of skywalker for me because i did not enjoy that movie and i rolled my eyes and just got frustrated at nearly all of it and then at the end uh they led a cavalry charge up the wing of a spacecraft carrier and i was like well this is just silly fun and i can just i could just get into this this ridiculous big action set piece that's kind of how I felt here. Like I wasn't that invested in anything that happened, but then there was a big action set piece, which I enjoyed.
0: Yeah, but I wouldn't describe it as silly fun. Like again, it was still taking itself way too seriously.
1: Yeah, it it, it wasn't it wasn't as as lighthearted as as Rise of Skywalker. Uh,
0: I have you've kind of gone into summation time, but I, I do have a couple more points. That I, quick fire oh, round? No, it's okay. Quick quick fire round. Let me fire out a bunch of points, and if there's anything that you want to respond to, just just shout. Sure. Yep. Uh, so um, the uh, the breath mechanic I found a little bit weird. Sometimes the, the navi, when they're diving, seem to have near infinite breath. And other times, barely any breath. Uh, it was just kind of a bit strange. And it felt, uh, lots of times it felt like they've been underwater way too long. Obviously, their navi, they might have different lung capacity than we do. But it just, it felt like it um, the breath, how long they could hold their breath was relative to what the plot needed to do. Uh, yeah. And that was a bit frustrating. Um, the Navi kids were handcuffed to the ship uh, with like what was effectively slap bracelets from like the early two thousands. I thought that was gas, <laughs> absolutely hilarious. Um, the the whole th- there's a point where the 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 military avatars are on the deck of the ship and they're communicating with Jake as the two sides line up for each other, ready for conflict. And mm-hmm. one of his subordinates goes looking down the the barrel of his sniper or whatever and was like, I've got him in sight, I've got a clean shot, should I take it? And then the guy was like, oh no, you can't do that because they'll attack now. And like, it's like, no, shoot Jake, you idiots. Like this is plot armor here because it's like, you are on a fully loaded like ship here with a bunch of people with guns and stuff. And there's like a half dozen, um, uh on the other side you have like firepower rockets you've you've harpoons you've everything here just shoot jake and then massacre everyone else very simple but it's like no no we can't possibly do that because then we couldn't get to the big fight scene and that was just stupid stupid i didn't like it at all they could they could have just ended it shortly after that like but they just chose nah we need more and stretch out this runtime very bad um the guns kept getting dropped in the water. I know nothing about gun culture, and obviously, again, these are futuristic guns, so like they could do whatever. But I always thought that guns get waterlogged. Um, but people seem to be constantly dropping things in water, and it was just all fine. Um, the whole. Uh, role here. Depends. Depends on the gun. Depends on the gun. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Um, in reality,
1: the, and yeah, as you said, the, these are these are future guns. So.
0: But I, I hate having to lean into that too much, do you know? I hate have to be like, oh well, they're magic guns or are they? you shouldn't have to lean into this, do you know? It's like that's it's like the the thing we constantly bring up, the uh is it was it Clark or Sanderson's law, magic laws, which are they? Sanderson, isn't it?
1: Sanderson's, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, like magic shouldn't be used to solve a problem. Like I shouldn't have to invoke magic to be like, well, that's why this was because magic. Um it should be the cause of the problems, not the solution to like plot holes. Um I wrote that the whole sink, sinking ship part was unnecessary. They just stop it. We, we could have ended it long before the ship started sinking. The whole protracted sequence of them getting out is just... I, I felt like Cameron just really wanted to do Titanic, but on an alien world. It was no good. <laughs> um, uh, I also had a note here that wrote, how exactly does drowning work? Because, can you enlighten me on this? How do people drown Because this movie seemed to imply that what happens when you drown is you lose consciousness and then you, like, lie on the seafloor for an indeterminate amount of time, still alive, and can be resuscitated. Like, I thought, like, it's like, if you don't hold your breath, your lungs will fill with water really rapidly, you asphyxiate, and you die. Like, there's no sort of, like, there's no prolonged period where you're unconscious underwater. Is that, I'm just... Do I just not know how drowning works here, Bill?
1: I mean, for for, for humans, yeah. I mean, like once you're unconscious, you're 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 going to start breathing, and then you're going to be breathing water and asphyxiate. Um, but is it but is this these, process
0: a rapid process, or is this a prolonged process?
1: I think it's pretty rapid.
0: Yeah, that's what I always. But thought, I mean, too.
1: like if you're maybe it's different if you're navi. I know. We but, didn't uh, see any humans drown. Yeah, I know. But just,
0: it's, uh, but again, the drowning also felt a bit like. Uh, How long it takes someone to drown is dependent on plot. Like if they need to come Mm -hmm. back, they could drowning will take forever. And it's like, oh god damn it! Um, And we didn't actually
1: see anyone die from drowning at all.
0: No, we didn't. But we saw, as far as I remember, we saw like uh, people being underwater for varying amounts of time. Yeah. Um, and they all come up as if they were just like borderline ready to borderline ready to have passed away. Um, Yeah. And it's like, well, what is it here, pal? Is this a rapid thing or is this a prolonged thing? It's just, I don't know. It's not a big deal. It's just, it just threw me out a little bit. Final thing uh, I have before my, well, my, my my ultimate note, my final note is long final sequence, um, lots of exclamation marks. My penultimate note is uh, Kiri's wings and the sea fireflies are a bit of a deus ex machina. And I didn't yeah. like it because as far as I'm aware, this final battle took place outside of the reef like out in open waters and yeah, earlier the in the three film, brothers rocks exactly and then earlier in the film it was shown that all of these cool creatures like the the wings and the sea fireflies, were in and around the like sacred sea soul soul tree soul soul of trees what was it called the tree of souls tree of souls was in their little lagoon thing and then it's like
1: well, i don't think the tree of souls is in the lagoon the tree of souls is further away is it is it beyond I the think reef so. Yeah, I think it was Beyond the Roof.
0: Oh, I didn't get that impression at all. Well, then that point is less valid, but it was kind of like they showed up. Um, (laughs) Let me find a map of the Metakaina villages. Um, But yeah, so just everything's going wrong. And then uh, Kiri, our Ewa uh, incarnate character, just kind of like appears with like the oxygen givers and the sea fireflies, and then solves the day. And it was like, it was a bit out Mm -hmm. of nowhere.
1: Okay, hold on. So sorry, it's the Spirit Tree, and it's located in the Cove of the Ancestors.
0: Cove would imply not beyond the reef.
1: Well, no, I think I think it's a okay. Let me think. Cultural sites, Navi villages. I don't know where they.
0: Come on. Oh like. <laughs> wait, no, no, sorry. Wait, is the is the Cove of the Ancestors that cool looking radial rock formation thing? Yeah. Oh, okay. So sorry, I I got it wrong. Yeah, that that looks very much like it's. Out a bit, yeah. Okay, fair enough. I guess the wings and the sea pyreflies could have made their way over, um, but again, it just. But also,
1: still... she she's magic, so she can she can ask <laughs> Awa or Pandora to provide them.
0: I know, but again, Bill, we shouldn't have to be like because magic, like the magic. Should be... I, I
1: I no, I I think that's a little different. I don't think that's in in violation of of Sanderson's laws because it's not like a new thing that happened. It's been very clearly. Signposted. I mean, I'm not saying that it's good writing necessarily, but I don't think it violates Sanderson's laws. Oh no, no, um, it's it's been very clearly signposted that she can do that kind of thing.
0: No, I know. I, yeah, but I, I mean, it's sort of it is bad writing, um, and yeah. I feel like the, the excuse for the bad writing is just like because she's magic, and that that's a bit sad. It shouldn't be, the writing should be good enough that we shouldn't have to fall back on because she's magic. Um, mm-hmm. And
1: those are my notes. I have one remaining. Oh, you have one remaining. Go for it. Um, I hate how the colonel survived. Um, so at the end, he's his drowning, the, his avatar is drowning, and Spider, his son, um, doesn't like considers abandoning him to die, and then saves him, and then like b- brings him to the surface, and then leaves him there, and goes back to join the Sullies. Um, and this is a thing that really annoys me in in media, like when you come to the bad guy, and then you've got the moral high ground. It's like, No, I'm not going to kill you. I'm going to be better than that. You've killed a hundred henchmen with no qualms whatsoever. And suddenly it's only moral when you get to the actual head bad guy.
0: <laughs> yeah. It really I annoys me. I agree. I agree.
1: <laughs> now, that's not a problem with the film as such, as it is a problem with a lot of things. But it is also in the film.
0: <laughs> Those poor, um, I guess, would they be red coats The... It's a Star Trek reference. The dudes in the red uniforms, no one ever cares yeah. about the nameless guys who get slaughtered shirts. all the time. Red shirts, the red shirts. Um, those poor red shirts. No one ever cares about them, but we we'll care about the named characters. Um, yeah. So, um, summation question mark.
1: Should um, we go into summations. Summations.
0: Summations. Yeah. Okay. So this is. I I I I think this film, despite its flaws, is fine. I have I feel no compulsion to watch it again at all but I don't hate it and I think there were redeeming qualities in it like the wailing thing I thought that was kind of fun and there were some good ideas that were brought to the table just executed poorly like I said probably needed an extra draft an extra some editor need to get a hold of it so it was yeah. it's 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 fine um but still suffers a lot from my, I suppose my biggest problem is like the the stereotyping that's that's my biggest problem with, with the whole thing and the first one mm-hmm. um so yeah, no compulsion to see it again. Middle of the road sort of film. <laughs> and like, how much did it cost to make? <laughs>
1: like, how much oh, did so much. <laughs> Avatar
0: two cost? It cost. Oh my god, does it cost two hundred and fifty million? That's actually less than I thought it would cost. Um, wow. Its budget was two hundred fifty million. Apparently, it's just it's just past the one billion mark. Um. So I mean. uh, Cameron's made his bag. He'd be able to put the the kids through college now. Wonderful. (laughs) (laughs) So, summation. I suppose you're never going to watch this again.
1: (laughs) I'm not planning on it. I mean, you know, I I was told that the the way to watch these is in the cinema. Um, I'm not going to see it anytime soon in the cinema. Uh, If there was some reason to go back, if they ever ran it again, maybe if someone wanted to see it. Um, But I'm probably not going to watch it like on my laptop. Yeah. and lose the effect of the visuals because I i mean, I didn't get much out of those in the first place and I didn't get that much out of the the story either. So no, probably not. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I've, I've one more summation.
0: Well, I've one real time follow up before you go on. I'm seeing here that actually there's a number of uh number of uh, different claims to how much it made. Apparently it may all, according to Dextero.com, the film may have cost 460 million. Um, There seems to be an awful lot of, yeah. Oh no, it had a reported budget of 250 million. However, there are reports that the figure has swelled to between 350 and 450 million. Okay, so it costs, let's just say, half a billion. Yeah. Now, one more summation point.
1: There is an episode of Futurama where they go to a theme park on the moon, Hmm. and history has kind of been forgotten. And so the theme park says, "Oh, we don't really know what what the first people on the moon were like, but it may have been something like this." And then these like animatronic whalers come out from behind a crater and start singing, "We're whalers on the moon, we carry a harpoon," uh, and that was all I could think of during the the, the final act. <laughs> there were whalers on the moon.
0: Um, i that that sounds hilarious. If I watch Futurama, I'm sure I would be giving you be giving you a hearty giggle right now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Everyone ought to watch Futurama. Uh, it is a fun show.
0: I'm sure there's a bunch of listeners right now who are like, lol. Um, I hope so. But I'm sorry, that one is large enough in my head, pal. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> um, okay, so I think that is Avatar 2 done. Did you will you come and see Avatar 3 with me?
1: I guess I'll have to. <laughs> Just for for um mm the sake of, of consistency.
0: Uh, yeah. And apparently there's like a four to five planned or something. We should do those too. (laughs) Just to really wear, wear down your mental health. (laughs) 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 Um, okay. So folks, um, real quick, what's, what's going to happen is we are going to literally next week. As of the time of this recording, we're going to, uh, record another episode of this podcast And it's going to be, uh, the Jade city podcast, the book by Fonda Lee. We're going to review that bio. Um, so if you have not, if you're interested in that and you've not read it yet, buy the book now and give it a read before that podcast comes out, which hopefully will be like mid-January. So there'll be some fairly rapid fire podcasts coming out in 2023, which is pretty cool. Um Yeah. So thanks a million for watching folks and supporting us on Patreon. I hope everyone had a wonderful holiday season, had a Happy New Year, etc. And uh, myself and Bill, uh, I'm sure I speak for Bill in this regard, uh, in wishing you all the very best for 2023. Uh, let's hope it's, I say this every year, let's hope it's a better year than the previous year. At some stage, that's <laughs> going to have to be true. If I say it enough, it'll have to come true. So here's to 2023, the best year. <laughs> Until next time. Edgar, Edgar, Edgar out. Out.
1: Mitä?